welcome to Inklings. I am Emily Bell Freeman, and I'm so excited to welcome you to a space where you and I get to experience a hint of something more together. This is a community where we lean into discussions that will help us obtain a bedrock understanding of the doctrines of Christ. Not overnight, but every day better. Strength gathered over time. There is a place for you here. Looking forward to spending the semester with you as we embark on a journey focused on becoming His. Okay, hello everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Inklings. We're just going to wait for everyone to hop on and I'm going to grab our guests as we get going. Um, and we're going to hope for a good internet connection today. I moved so I would be closer to my hub. So I'm hoping that's going to help us a little bit. Okay. 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 Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? And here comes Kate. Okay. Here we are. We're back again. Um, Okay, how about now? Can everyone hear now? Hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Okay, the sound is good here. And let me just quickly say this again, you guys. The Inklings binders are coming in right now. This is the pink one, which I'm in love with. And this is the tan one. I got one of both because I just wanted to see the difference. And they're so cute. Both of them are. And then the insides are so fun. Um, this is the order of mine currently. I have, I'm gonna put right here the whole study guide, but mine's bound, so I have to reprint it out today, which I feel fine about. And then I put President Nelson's talk right here. And then I have my whole general conference right here, and it's so fun because it just has so much room for everything. So, we're so happy about that. This is actually our take two because um, we didn't have good sound, and if we don't, again, we will just, take long pauses in between when each of us talk. Um, but I'm gonna introduce these two cute sisters that we have. And Lauren, will you um, just reintroduce yourself one more time since we started over so everyone will know who you are? Yeah, no problem. So my name's Miller. I live in um, Utah County right now because I'm getting my MBA at BYU and I'm done in April. I graduate in just a few months. Um, right now I'm up at my parents' house in Salt Lake, but. Uh, Kate and I are actually neighbors. Um, she's my older sister. We're two of five siblings. Um, and I also work part-time at Pura. So I'm working and in school and uh, my husband and I are doing IVF. So hopefully we'll have kids soon. Um, but right now it's just us and our dogs. Okay, that's so, so good. And um, she's like in the thick of IVF right now. So everybody extra prayers for Lauren today. Um, and then Kate. Okay, I am Kate Christensen, and I am one of the older sisters in the family. Um, I have three little kids. I have two boys and one girl, and I work at Adobe, so I'm full-time mom and full-time employee, and just, I live in Highland, and Lauren and I and some of our other sisters run a shared Instagram where we share our favorite things, so you can feel like you're on our sister's group message, and it's called Scouting Gems. Okay, that, that's so fun. So um, we're going to be in the talk, His Yoke is Easy and His Burden is Light by Sister Dennis. That's where we're going to spend our time. Um, 
and in the New Testament. So grab your New Testament if you want to be in the scriptures. But before we go there, we're actually starting our last two months, which is crazy. Like, it just feels like we just barely had general conference and we're four months into this semester, to this study on becoming this righteous people. And we spent the first two months studying how to overcome the world. And then we spent these last two months studying how to become something more. Particularly January was a month of just studying discipleship and what that looked like. Um, now we move into the part of the study that everyone's been so excited about, which is um, the rest part of the study. I remember when general conference happened and how many of you remember this when you were watching. If you're new to us, we all watch together because what happens is we put up an Instagram post here on Inklings Institute for every session. And then people will just text in their thoughts in the comments as it goes, which I just love because if I'm ever like at a, um, if you're a soccer game mom or something and you're like not able to watch that talk, it's fine because I just keep refreshing my Inklings and then I kind of know what is happening. And when this talk came on, the number one word in that Inklings comments was rest. Let's do a study on rest. It was like exclamation marks. Everyone was so happy about rest and what that was going to look like. And so I'm actually so excited to dive into these last two months and kind of study this rest that he was talking about and what even is it um, and what are we looking for. So I want to start in President Nelson's talk just for a minute. And it, I'm going to start, it's, uh, it's on the second page for me, but the paragraph where I'm starting starts out like this. As we strive to live the higher laws of Jesus Christ, our hearts and our very natures begin to change. The Savior lifts us above the pull of this fallen world by blessing us with greater charity, humility, generosity, kindness, self-discipline, peace, and rest which I um, love all of those words. Like in my, in my life, I'm like, oh, I actually want that. I want greater charity and generosity and kindness and self-discipline. Like, don't you feel like those are things that you're working on all the time? But I love when he's like, um, and rest. Like rest should be part of your life. And um, I like when he talks about this. Um, it's more exhausting to seek happiness where you can never find it. But when you yoke yourself with Jesus Christ and do the spiritual work required to overcome the world, he and he alone does have the power to lift you. And I love too, when he talks about yoking with him, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make life easier, um, but it makes life better. And so I want to be thinking about that rest that he talked about as we enter into these next two months. And we're going to learn about that rest as we start learning what he talked about, taking the yoke. There's something about taking the yoke that is going to enable that rest to come, which does not make sense because uh, taking the yoke sounds like work to us, right? We're like, wait a minute, that sounds like 
two oxen plowing a field. That does not sound like rest to me, but I love that he's like, no, this is, if you can take the yoke, that's how you're going to find rest. And so this month, we're going to spend a lot of time studying what it means to actually take the yoke. And I want to turn to Matthew 28 um, quickly. And no, I lied. Matthew 11, verse 28. I got to that page and I was like, this does not look at all like where I've been reading. Matthew 11, verse 28. And he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think we know what it feels like to labor and also to like be heavy. I know what that feels like. Then he says, here's the answer in 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's how the rest is going to come. So we're going to dive into that for a month and we're going to actually look. I was surprised how many times the yoke was mentioned in conference and it's going to take us a little while to get through um, all of that, what we can learn from that. But this talk is such a great introduction to what is the yoke and how does that make our burden light? So um, I'm going to let you guys kind of lead out on what were some of your favorite parts of this conference talk? What were some quotes that were a standout to you? Okay, Lauren, I'll go first and then you can um, kind of chime in where you felt called. Um, but the first thing that really pulled me in was she says, um, we will be forever grateful to the earthly angels who have been there during those times sitting with her, listening to her, crying with her, as well as, as well as sharing together unique gifts, spiritual understanding, and a mutual relationship of love. Because as I thought of sitting with, it reminded me of rest. And sometimes we just need to sit with people and rest together mm -hmm. and really just soak in whatever's happening in the moment, you know, to be able to feel that, you know, rest from mental, rest from physical, and have it all cultivate in the rest of spiritual together. And when you do it with someone else, usually you bond with that person, you feel love and the spirit with that person. And sometimes for me, it's easier to feel the love of the spirit for another person than for myself. When I feel the love of the savior or the person that I'm mourning with or feeling with or sitting with, and it helps me feel that peace and that rest. Oh, that's so good. And I love that thought of like, sometimes when we have a lot going on, just sitting with someone will make a huge difference. That's so good. That's such a good point. Similar to what Kate was saying. So as my husband and I went all of IVF and infertility things, it's made us be able to rely on each other more and the Lord and bringing all of that together has made our relationship so much stronger and more powerful than it would have been otherwise. And we've just gained this deeper understanding for each other and for how much effort we're willing to put in with us and the Lord and like yoking together. And we know we'd be doing work anyway, but we've been a lot more motivated to involve each other and the Lord in all of our effort. And we were at the temple the other night and I just felt for the, so I, this kind of like my launch on talking about my infertility, like publicly on Instagram that <laughs> and on, I've talked about it on TikTok because I found kind of a community there, but here, um, 
I, I've been kind of private about it because it's hard to open up about and talk about uh, just, you feel like you have this calling in life that you're going to be a mother. And then it's always like you've worked up to it and young women's, you talk about it. And then when you get married, it's the next step. And it's hard to feel like your body doesn't do the one thing that you've expected it to do your whole life. And I've had to really come to rely on both my husband and the Lord to help me um, be able to reconcile like the, the feelings that I've had and the struggles that I've gone through. But we were, we were sitting there um, on Tuesday or Tuesday night, and it was the first time during the whole IVF process that I really felt a lot of peace. And I just felt like the Lord was telling me that if I trusted him, like I was doing my part and I was putting all effort in and it's like, hopefully it's all going to work and he's going to do his part. But I really just have to, we, my husband and I together have to take that and yoke with him and trust that it'll work and just put in everything we, and he will make up the rest. That's so good. And I love that you talked about the temple because I have found recently, and I wonder if this is true for anybody else, either of you or everyone who's listening, um, I can feel in me unrest coming. Like I, I feel it. And um, it the kind of unrest that like keeps you up at night or like when you go to the grocery store, you have a hard time remembering what you were getting at the grocery store because your mind is so consumed with like unrest, with like, trying to navigate and figure things out. And one thing that has been really interesting for me since November is I will feel this like draw to the temple. I will feel this call to the temple in like an interesting way that is like, almost like, you know, when you have an itch and you're just like, if I could just scratch it, then it, I would feel better in a weird way. That's what it feels like. It is like this. I have this intense need for the peace or the rest that is found there. And the more unrest I'm feeling, and especially when it's like an unrest that I can't solve or control, or like, I can't, I can't problem solve through it. There is something that draws me into the temple that like soothes and calms. And like what you were saying, I, I hadn't felt peace anywhere else, but for some reason on Tuesday night in the temple, I could finally feel that like rest, you know, of, I can't feel it anywhere else. But for some reason, when I get my body there, my spirit is like, okay, I just need to like sit in this space for a minute. I think that's so interesting. It, it's, it's been something that's been really rewarding for me because being a full-time grad student, working 30 hours a week and doing all of the in vitro stuff, I feel like my life gets kind of chaotic in some mornings. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants trying to get everything done. And then um, I just can go to the temple and just forget about all of the worldly things and only focus on my spirit and what my spirit needs and what the Lord needs from me instead of worrying about what homework I have to do and what projects I need to do at work and yes. what I have to do the next day, you know? And it's just been somewhere that is so healing and it's finally also made me be able to feel excited about the future and what's to come instead of this ominous cloud. It, it gives me the rest that I've been able to, that I've needed. Yeah, that's so good. And I will say, I was, as I was like going to bed thinking about this last night, this thought just kept coming to my head about 
there's a Stanford neurologist that I love following. His name's Dr. Huberman. And recently he's come out saying one of the best things you can do for your body is non-sleep rest for 20 minutes a day. That, and I just keep thinking like the world is seeking rest. The mm -hmm. world is feeling what you're feeling when you go to the grocery store, feeling what I'm feeling when I feel like I'm just treading in the deep end all the time. And the rest of the world is feeling it too. And we are so lucky that we can turn to the scriptures and turn to the temple. Like we don't have to just take a 20 minute non-sleep nap to get, check the box of the rest that we yes. need to fill our spirit. Yeah. Okay. I love that so much. My brain wants to think about that right now because non-sleep rest is so interesting. Uh, we were in Israel, um, last April, David and I were, and we had three tours back to back. And the second tour, we had this tour guide who we had never met before from Israel, who was there with us. And I tend to have a lot of energy. That is just true about my personality. And it always has been, it's not new. It's like, that's just how I am. And so at the last day of the last trip, we were in the lobby of the hotel people were getting their suitcases and everything and then um it was of the second trip so we had, we were going to drop them off at five and pick up the new group at seven at the airport that night and he was sitting in this chair and i was just walking around talking to people making sure that everyone had their suitcases and he finally he said to me emily sit down and i was like why and he's like i have not seen you sit down for two weeks not one time I, your body needs rest. And I said to him, oh, Yair, I never sit down. Like in a given day, I rarely like sit. My body just likes to like go. I don't know why. Like I just have a lot of energy. So it's super hard for me to just like sit still for a minute. And he was like, your body needs rest. And so it's so interesting to think about that like 20 minutes of not sleeping like not a nap but like pausing in the middle of your day I would like have to schedule that in I don't know if that's true for anyone else but it, it started when my babies were toddlers that I was just like getting stuff done all day long and chasing people and then I think I never sat down after that again after I had toddlers that's when it started and so I love this idea of like what would a, a 20 minute non-sleep rest actually look like um and for me it it couldn't be sitting and working because my brain goes ten thousand. but i do love the idea of it could be like reading the scriptures or it could be praying uh, when someone's like how many minutes do you read now in my mind i'm going to be like i need to do 20 because i need the non-sleep rest in my day so um but kate have you tried it since you read that no, <laughs> I have, and I'm like, I've got 5 million things to do. I can't stop. I can stop at the end of the day and I'm going to crash hard at the end of the day. But if I stop during, so no, but I'm going to try it because if I feel like if I could get there, what if you read your scriptures right before and then went into like almost a pre-meditation state yes. of one thing you had like, and just ponder that like that could be so powerful so i'm gonna try it this week i'm gonna give you my report back in a week and who loves when it, you're like this doctor from stanford told me to do this <laughs> that's that's what you should say i have to this is like a prescription i have to do it um lauren you've tried yeah it. 
every once in a while. So I go to BYU and you can reserve study rooms in the business school building. And sometimes I'll just go reserve one for 30 minutes and I won't, I won't sleep, but I'll just kind of like sit there and like rest my eyes for like 20 minutes between classes. And then I'll just get up and go to my next one because I just need like a break to just kind of think and not have like, you know, running into people in the hallway between chatting about what's going on. You know, do you have a full-time job offer or internship, whatever. And it, it gets you kind of wound up. Yes. And so I just separate myself out and I just go take 20 minutes and I just sit by myself and I don't do anything I just will just sit there and then I just go to oh, class that's so good okay this is a really great idea we're all gonna try this this week that's our everyone put that on your list of things I learned today 20 minute non-sleep rest um okay what else was a standout from this talk okay this I mean this just goes along with the gospel so well Sometimes you need to see it written to have it hit you like right in the chest, but nothing you do makes much of a difference if you don't have charity. Mm. I loved that part too. And there's that scripture that talks about that, right? Where it, it says you can be the best Sunday school teacher. You can lead the choir. You can do all these things, but if you don't have charity, it means Nothing. Um, why was that a standout for you, Kate? So I have, um, I actually just recently got called to be in a presidency and I have the most wonderful president that I'm serving with. And she is always going the extra mile and just leading by example. And she always quotes Elder Anderson that good information precedes good revelation. And so when I read this and she is just always going out and she has so much love in her heart, but then she also takes it a step further of caring for the people she's serving. So she'll ask them, she'll talk to them. She doesn't just assume. And it feels like she, by just not just being like, I'm going to drop off this, or I'm going to assume that everything's good in your life. And I'm being charitable because I'm checking the boxes of serving you and doing this. And it's like, sometimes you just need someone to check in and see like, is everything okay? Like in the beginning of the talk, when she talks about, or the man's story about checking and feeling that the dog had blood on his hand, like yeah doesn't seem right it usually there's usually something wrong and so with charity in your heart if you're doing things for the right reason and you're caring about people and you're you're the first stop of you know the checklist of things to do and you do it with the way of like I am a representative of Jesus Christ and I'm doing this because I love him and I love his people I think it just changes the way that you serve and the way that you love people mm. That's so good. And um, I love that thought of like getting into the story. That's what it feels like your president who you're serving with is, is understanding is you really have to get into somebody's story before you can have true charity or true love for that person. And um, I love that you brought that up charity and it's in this talk. And that's something I've been studying lately because I, as I've read this scripture, which you guys know, it's one of my favorite, Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. I'm always like, my personality wants to be, okay, but what's the yoke? You know, what is the yoke? I just, just tell me what the yoke is and then I will do it. And I, my, my brain wants to know the like, how, what does it look like? What's the application of the yoke? And I was reading one day, cause you remember in Matthew 11, it will come. Um, down and say, because my yoke is easy. 
and my burden is light, he tells you. So if you take this yoke, part of taking this yoke is going to make burdens light. And I was reading in Mosiah, and do you remember when they're standing at the waters of Mormon, and everyone decides they want to enter into this covenant relationship? And the beginning of that is going to be baptism. And, and he's like, you're going to covenant to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. And I was like, wait, is this, this it? Is this like the key? Is the yoke the covenant? Is the yoke entering into covenant relationship with him? And if we want to understand more about that yoke, then maybe we need to understand more about covenant relationship. And I love that co covenant relationship, especially with Jesus, has so much charity in it. it. It has that mourning with and comforting and bearing burdens. And um, sometimes we read that and to stand as a witness of him as like, I need to get on the corner and bear my testimony when people are walking by at conference, right? We get that defend the church mentality. But one time when I was reading that, I thought to myself, when he's like, I need you to bear burdens and I need you to comfort people and I need you to mourn with people. I need you to stand. And I read it this way instead, in place of me, in whatsoever place you are in. Like, go in my stead. Go in my place. Go as the witness of what I would do in that situation. And I love that because it goes back to that. Am I willing to sit with someone or like your president you're serving with? Am I willing to actually get into somebody's stories, the details of their life? So I actually can mourn and I can like bear that burden. So I love that thought of um, that charity that's part of this yoking um, with him. When I was in college, I remember I was in one of my student wards and we we're in Relief Society and I can't remember what was going on, but I had something and I was busy and one of my, so we all lived in the same apartment complex. We we're all in the same ward. We all knew each other really well. And one of my um, sisters what, asked me and the sisters in the ward, she said, hey, can I bring you dinner? Can I do something? And I said, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, it's totally fine. I can manage. And she just looked at me and she said, let me serve you. And this was probably six years ago. And I think about it all the time that a lot of the time, I don't think we let people serve us mm -hmm. be so focused on serving and doing everything we can for others that we don't stop and think maybe I need to have somebody help me. And so Kate has been a really great example. Like she lives up the street from me and she's reached, I'm going to start crying on inklings. It's fine. She, she's reached out to me and said, said, hey, I'm going to schedule a temple appointment. I want to go with you. Hey, I want to bring something by and check in on you. And bring me like a package when I'm doing, when I have some of my surgeries coming up or a big week and milestones that I'm hitting. And she has, and I used to tell my sisters a lot of the time when they offered to do something for me that I was fine and I could manage. But now I let them serve me because I know how much it fills both of our cups to have one of us serve and one of us be served. And it's taken mm -hmm. like to let myself be served because I think I can manage all the time but it's something that I I want to remind us all to let others serve us as well that's so good and I I love that she just was like so let me serve you that's what I'm trying 
to do right now, um, which is so good. Um, that thought of just like looking outside, but also like acting on the prompting is so good. Um, yeah. Anything else you loved? Before we move on from this, I just love that in her talk, she goes from, if you do not charity to the next paragraph, she quotes Moroni 747, which I think we all love is charity is the pure love of Christ. Yeah. Talking about, it just leads back to that. It is pure love. It is the inner child love. It is how you view your kids, even when they're driving you crazy and you are just like, am I going to do this another day? But you still love them. So yeah, and truly. And I think that it's just, the more you serve people, the more you see them the way Jesus sees them. And we see them not through our mortal eyes, but more of a celestial vision of who they could be. And you don't get that unless you take the time with loving them and trying to develop a pure love for them. Yeah, that's so good. And I do, I love that one line where she says, um, there are valuable opportunities for us to practice loving as the Savior loves. And I, don't you love that thought of like practice? Because sometimes you just don't get it right. Even no matter how much you try, you're like, well, that was a fail. Um, but I love that she's like, practice loving the way the Savior loved. One of my favorite parts of the New Testament, and I love that we're early enough in that you can take this challenge if you want to. But I, when we read through the Gospels, one of the things that I really love to do as I'm reading along is watch how Jesus loved like actually how, what did it look like um, in within the story and particularly within his actions? Like, I want to see how did he do that? How did he love so well? And what you'll start noticing if you do that is like, it's so interesting when you start reading words like, and then he went into the leper colony and you're like, wait, who goes into leper colonies? You know, he's like me, I do, I go in. And, or when it says, um, there's a couple with the lepers that if you're not watching, you might miss it, but it says, and he touched him, which is really interesting because you actually can't touch lepers. Like it can give you leprosy sometimes, but also for sure it made you unclean in those dates for seven dates. And so the thought that he would like touch someone who hadn't been touched in years is so interesting. Or like the man at the gathering, when he gets up there and like, just think about yourself. You're on a walk. You're trying to have your 20 minute rest. That's not sleeping, right? He's like trying to get away from everybody. I've seen the gathering and it is this beautiful, hilly mountainside. That is just like, you would want to go on a walk there. And can you imagine you're on a walk and all of a sudden, this man who's in chains that are broken and dragging and doesn't have on hardly anything, jumps out at you. Like, what's your first reaction going to be? And sometimes when I'm reading, I'm like, I need to think, like, what would my first reaction be? And I will tell you right now, I would have turned around and run the other direction, right? Or I would have just, like, walked by and, like, pretended I didn't see what was going on there because I'm like I don't know what to do in this situation and you love that Jesus's first response is tell me your name which I'm like what why is that the first words that come out of your mouth is that 
But it's so interesting as you start reading into that story that he's like, I need to help you find the person who you are inside. So let's start with your name and then we'll go out from there. And I think that's so interesting when she's like, we need to learn to love like he loved. And we actually have a chance right now. Like we're reading the gospels. We can watch how he loved people and how he loved them so well, uh, going out of his way to meet the woman at her well, letting Peter experience walking on water. Why not? Let's try it. You know, he's like, sure. Like there's so many, his response to people is so unexpected. And then I just think I want to be more like that. I want to be more genuine in my love and in my loving well. And Emily, I love that you brought up that he said, what's your name? Because he's asking the question that we know he knows the answer. To. Yes. Ian already knows who he is. He's allowing us to tell him what we want to tell him about him. The way that we can do that with people in our own lives is tell me your name. We might know their name, but it allows them or tell me what you want me to know about you. Yes. To really connect on a level that is comfortable and safe. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and there's a couple people who have um, talked about a couple books that I actually love. Steve Young, The Law of Love. And then Charlie Bird has one, Expanding the Borders of Zion, that just barely came out. They're both at Deseret Book. Um, but both of them, like, they push your boundary of how to love well and how to, like, let people into our churches and into our communities and to practice loving well. I've been studying just recently that third Nephi 18 where he's, where Jesus says over and over again, you will not cast anyone out of your churches. Don't tell anyone they can't come into the synagogue. Like make sure people know there is room for them here and I think that's so important. And this learning to balance law and love in our day is something that I think we will continue to like invest in. What does that actually look like, um, you know, for us and, and for members of the kingdom right now? How do we invite people into the kingdom? Um, I love when you think about... Um, the there's that other quote where he says to to those he touched felt his love and that love healed and transformed them and there's something about his love that does that in that third nephi 18 it talks about don't turn them away but let them come i'm actually going to read it so i don't get it wrong because it's so good it's in third nephi 18 is where i'm going to go and it's going to be verse 32 he says never Nevertheless, you shall not cast him out of your synagogues or your places of worship. For unto such shall ye continue to minister. For you know not, but what they will return and repent and come unto me with full purpose of heart. And I shall heal them, but you shall be the means of bringing them. And I love the thought of that. Um, he's the one who does the healing. Like, that's not our job. We cannot save, we cannot fix, we cannot heal. We can't do that. And um, which means, and we have to keep this in mind, sometimes the people 
who walk in the doors of our chapels will not be, they, they will not look like they're problem solved. They won't look healed. They won't look fixed. And isn't that what church is for? Is that place that you come to actually find healing and deliverance and rescue and all of those things. And if we're turning out people who don't fit the mold, how are they going to ever find what Jesus brings? And I love when he's like, you don't know if they're going to repent and return, but I do. And I can actually heal them. If you can bring them, I can heal them. And I love that thought about, could we be better at walking into the leper colony? Could we be better at thinking who we're eating lunch with? Um, could we be better at walking to the well that nobody else goes to in the middle of the day? Um, and is that part of the yoke, you know? I think too, it's interesting when you think about rest because sometimes rest really is that sitting with someone in, in their story. And um, it's rest for the one who's bringing love, but it's also rest for the one who is desperate for that love in that moment, I feel like. Um, okay, let's go into the scriptures for a minute. And I want to go to two, what I like to think are two companion scriptures. In my scriptures, I have them like uh, linked together because I love what we learned from both of them. So one is in Romans eight, and it actually wants to explain to us what the love of Christ looks like. Um, and it starts out in verse 31 of Romans eight. If God is for us, who can be against us? Which I love that thought that I'm just like, oh, I need that reminder regularly that like, especially when everything feels like it's going wrong, but if God is for us, then who could be against us? And then it says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I just love that thought of like more than conquerors because conquering feels final in and of itself. But the thought that you could be more than conquerors, I really love. I, in the footnote, it says abundantly victorious, not just like a small victory, but like a huge victory through him that loved us. And then it says there's nothing, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor high depth or any other creature can separate you from this love of God that is in Christ. And then I'm going to take you to the companion scripture right now. And then let's talk about them for a minute. But the companion is in Ephesians um, 3 is where I want to go. And it's also at the very end. And it, it says, I'm going to start in 13, where he says, I desire that ye faint not, which I love, right? And then he says, I want to tell you about our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant unto you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, 
that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Remember um, in the other one where it talked about being abundantly victorious. And now we're finding out with him, we can be exceeding. He will do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us unto him be glory. And I, I just love that thought that like his love, like we can't even understand the height, the breadth, the depth, the capacity of his love for us and that nothing can separate us from that love. There's nothing that can separate us. And so when we think about the yoke this week and like taking the yoke this week, I love this idea of what does that yoke, what does that covenant have to do with love and, and how do we manifest that well in our life? And so, It'd be awesome to just hear from you guys. What do you think love has to do with covenant? I mean, in the in this talk, it says like how we're commanded to love one another. And I know that's not the commandments and covenants aren't the same. But when I think about how they go hand in hand and that when we, the things that we covenant to do, I don't think we can do them without love in our hearts for our savior. I think if we had anything but, goodness and love and pure intentions our covenant wouldn't mean what they do to us in the lord mm -hmm. and if we him and trust him and we have that that understanding then we can have so much deeper of a relationship and deeper connection and more understanding of what the lord expects from us and wants from us and has paved the way for us and if we don't love and have that there, then we won't know him the way that he knows us. Yes. That's so good. Um, and I love that thought about sometimes we get in the routine of commandments or the routine of um, covenants or the routine of the ordinances that we participate in every week. And when love is underlying what we're doing, all of a sudden the routine goes away because love is dependent upon relationship. And so there is like that perspective shift that you're like, if I'm doing this out of relationship with him, it's going to change everything for me and how I'm entering in, you know, and what that yoke looks like. Um, Kate, anything you want to add? Yeah, I just, I mean, I keep thinking like, what if you read those you know, the Ephesians and the Roman scriptures every morning. And you just knew no matter where you were on your faith journey, no matter if you're just a, just struggling with where you are or super strong in your faith, if you're, you know, a non-denominational Christian, you just love Jesus. If you knew how much he loved you every day, how do you treat others? How do you, how does your inner confidence in the love Jesus has for you affect your outward actions? No, oh, that's so good. And I just think of like in my own life, I know I can be better to people. I know I can be kinder and see people the way Jesus does. Do I, you know, do I stop and try and see them the way that Jesus does as often as I should? Or do I just get stuck in my rut? And is it true love? Is it abundant love? Is it the kind of love 
of a higher law that I know I want to emulate or is it my mortal brain taking over? And it just is like, it makes you want to really just know how much Jesus loves you so that you can reflect that love to other people. I love that so much. And it's making me think when you say that, it's so interesting because do you ever know, we, we talked about this a long time ago and then we haven't talked about it recently. So I'm going to describe it for you. I have this cute friend um, who is um, of a different faith, but Christian. And her and I were talking one day and she was like, have you ever had a soul echo? And I was like, well, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm not sure I know what a soul echo is. And she's like, oh, it's like when you keep seeing the same thing over and over, or you hear the same thing over and over, like you'll be in different conversations and the same thing keeps um, showing up everywhere. And so now ever since she taught me that, which has been like eight years ago, I try and keep track of when I keep hearing the same thing over and over again. And, and I call it a soul echo. And she was like, it means God's trying to teach your soul something. That's what's happening. And I love the thought of that so much. And that's actually been happening for me lately in really random places that this phrase keeps showing up over and over and over again. And um, the phrase is higher and holier. That's the phrase that keeps coming up from really weird like conversations, not like just when I'm at church, um, but like I watched the face-to-face -face the other night and there was um, one of the boys on the face-to-face -face at the top of the mountain at Enzyme Peak wanted to talk about living higher and holier. And then we were in a, involved in a training where somebody used that same phrase, higher and holier, that I was like, oh, you, there it is again. And then my sister called me and she was like, I've been thinking a lot about this and whatever and i just i wonder if we maybe need to be higher and holier and then my daughter called me and she had been in a different training with a totally different group of people for young women's and she's like i feel like what they're trying to teach us is to live higher and holier and now i am like caught up in that thought process of like what even is that you know and so when you now you were now a fifth soul echo for me when you're like i feel like we're trying to live higher, right? We're, it's almost as if he's like, I've got to get you out of the mess of the world that you need to get higher and holier. And that, it, that includes our love, right? Just this idea of a higher love and a holier love. And maybe that's part of this yoke is a higher and holier relationship that's going to change everything for us um, in our life. And, and I love the thought that it's going to bring that rest. It was interesting because I was reading the comments. You guys know I love the comments on Inklings. It's one of my favorite things to do is just every so often I'll just go, uh, if I have time, you'll see that I love to heart them because I just, it's so important to me that people are like commenting and engaging because I think we learn the most from each other. And there were a couple of people who commented that they were like, I want to define rest or where have we seen rest defined? And someone was like, rest is the fullness of the father, which I love that. That is rest. It's like everything that I have. Um, people talked about that it was like eternal 
um, had eternal connotations, which I also love the thought that maybe that 20 minute of non-sleep rest we're having now in the eternities is just going to be like every day, right? <laughs> That's what it's going to be is that. Um, but I love as we've talked today in this discussion that you start thinking about like, what is rest? What is non-sleep rest? What is rest if it has to do with fullness? What is the rest that comes from covenant? What is the rest that we are experiencing in the temple? What is the kind of rest that happens when you sit next to someone and like get into their story? Like all of a sudden my mind has this thesaurus of words that mean rest that I kind of want to add to as we dive into this two months of rest there were so many great examples today um and i don't know was the same true for you is there like as you think about rest now has your perspective changed i'll start first my perspective has totally changed because i i need physical mental emotional rest and i i talked about this and in a TikTok that i made i feel like silly talking about whatever anyway but i said like i was ready for the physical aspects of IVF. I knew I was going to be doing shots, taking different medicine, and I wasn't going to feel great. But I was not prepared for the emotional whiplash that like came along with all of it. And I pride myself in someone being who's like mentally tough and can handle a lot. But by the second round of IVF, I was really beaten down, and I needed to be able to go somewhere to find more rest and somewhere that I could find peace and that happened to just be in a community of people who understood me and I met Jenica Marcel through Inklings and she was somebody who helped me I don't even think she understands like how much rest she gave me in the one conversation we had at our Inklings meeting and it made my whole perspective shift and my mind finally I felt like I could calm down and be able to take a step back from like being in all of the throes of emotional ups and downs and you know you're already on all these hormones so you're already kind yeah. of but then mentally it's it's hard to um deal with the expectations and then not having those being met and i found that if i could just like take a deep breath and find like those 20 minutes or whatever i needed then it meant so much more to me and now I have this new perspective where I feel like I can be open about where I am in my life and my infertility struggles and the process that we've been going through. And I hope that I can help others by being able to talk about that. And I just have been so grateful for the people around me who've been able to give me that rest. That's so, so good. Kate, how about you? I'll just say I I have, since you told us the story of the oxen at auction at the beginning of the semester, I have thought about that story every time I hear the word yoke. And it makes me so hopeful that I can be the weak, scrawny, struggling oxen yoked with the strong one and we can be really successful because I know here I am in my earthly journey trying to learn. And I know probably like all of you, none of us are waking up every day wanting to be mean or malicious or anything. We're waking up wanting to be Christ-like and full of love and good. And I think that it's so beautiful to know that we can be so weak and scrawny and in our imperfection and the yoke of Jesus Christ yoked with him will be okay. And if we put our faith and our love in him, 
we'll find that rest and we'll find that peace and we'll continue to get better and we'll continue to progress the way that he's told us he wants us to. Yeah, that's so good. And I know there is something about that, um, that image of that scrawny oxen and that one strong one being able to move so much weight together. And I just think, I, I think about that all the time too. It seems like Satan is so good at helping us see our inadequacies and see uh, and cause fear and, um, and make us wonder, you know, how are we going to make it through? And when you're living mortality and you don't see what the end result is going to be, it's really easy to get caught up in that fear or that inadequacy or the anxiety of that. And I think, um, for me, knowing like part of yoking with him is realizing that even though we don't see what the end is going to be, pulling with him, like walking next to him, he's going to tell us where to turn. Um, he's going he's gonna to know the path that we're walking. Like he knows the end ahead of us. He's the finisher, right? He is the finisher. And so there's part of me that when I'm like in give up mode, I'm so grateful for that yoke where I'm like, he's the finisher. He knows where to turn. He knows how heavy of a burden we can carry together. Like he, he can get us through that. And there, I read somewhere the other day, someone talked about um, if you have a firm belief that you are doing life with him, then you will never feel lonely again. And I was like, Oh, I love the thought of that because sometimes like you're talking about with your IVF journey, sometimes life does feel lonely and some things are private and, and we're holding things that are heavier. One of the ladies in the comments that um, when I was reading and she just talked about that day when her one son had called to say he was leaving uh, the church, that he was going to walk a different faith journey and her other son was struggling and ended up in the hospital and that night she received a phone call from her mom about her sister who had just passed away after a five-year battle with cancer. And my immediate thought was, who was there for you on that day? Like, I can't even imagine trying to have capacity for a day like that. And um, in her comment, she just talked about he was, he was there. And how powerful the yoke becomes on a day like that when no one is going to be able to understand like that pain, that kind of anguish, except for him. And I love the thought of that, um, that maybe the yoke brings rest because of moments like that, where he can enter into. And um, it's just such a sweet thought. So, so many good things. So I, I learned so much today, which is what I love about Thursday mornings. And you guys have given me two, these are my two takeaways. My sprinklings from today is to add that 20 minutes of non-sleep rest to my day. Um, but also um, just this call to go to the temple right now. I felt it for the last two nights. So Lauren, you were like making me want to get on my computer right now and just um, uh, make an appointment find a time to go. Um, if you want that story about the oxen, if you're new to us today, if you go to emilybellfreeman.com, um, you, you 
can sign up to get our workbook for this semester. It's just free to anybody who wants to use it. And at the beginning of the workbook schedule, that story of the oxen is right at the beginning of that schedule. So you'll just enter your email and then immediately the workbook will come with everything we're studying for the next two months. If you want to study with us, um, then come. And so two months of rest, you guys start your list of what rest means right now, because I feel like we're going to learn some really good things. And Kate and Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you all for your nice comments and your prayers. I feel that a lot. So thank you. Yep. So many prayers. Good luck. And then I'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is taken from our Thursday Inklings discussions, which happen live on Instagram at inklings.institute. If you loved being here, I'd love to invite you to go even deeper with me, get reminders, and enjoy first access to all our events and gatherings by going to emilybellfreeman.com backslash inklings.